We're going to be reading from the Psalms today. For three weeks we've been reading Jesus out of Matthew 6. Let's look at the Psalms. Psalm 112. I invite you to page, turn to page 952. And let's, uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. The children have studied your word. The adults have studied your word this week in Vacation Bible School. And so we gather now like your church has, your people have around the world for 2,000 years to gather around these teachings, this holy book and the mystery and the wonder of your purpose, these old words still speak with fresh and new life. Father, we believe that your word is living and active and so may it speak to our hearts now. Give us ears to hear, eyes that see. And hearts that are open and understand as we pray in the name of our Savior. Amen. How many of you have a Methodist background or intersected with the Methodist church somewhere along the way? Yeah, I, I do. Um, so John Wesley, um, often looked at as uh, the leader or founder of the Methodist. And you know it's because there was a method that he taught for becoming a faithful follower of Jesus. They were methodical in their approach to the Christian life and discipleship. In 1760, somebody can do the math on how, how long ago that was. That was quite a few years. Interestingly, only about 40, what would that be, about 42 years before Greenwich got going back in 1802. Think about that. John Wesley was preaching Back when Greenwich was, was getting going. 1760, Wesley preached a sermon entitled, The Use of Money. Um, he was aware, as we have been studying for these last couple of weeks, about the dangers and drawbacks that money poses. Jesus has warned us, right? You cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and money. Aware of the dangers, aware of the drawbacks that money poses, Wesley in this sermon on the use of money argued there are good and proper and holy uses for money. Um, uh, so I'm going to read a quote from that sermon. For Wesley, money is an excellent gift of God answering the noblest ends. In the hands of his children, that's us, so money in the hands of his children becomes food for the hungry, drink for the thirsty, and raiment or clothing for the naked. So understanding what God's people with money in our hands, all the good that we can do with this. And so he, in this sermon, he, he broke down his, his thoughts into three areas, summarized in a simple phrase that some of the Methodists may actually remember. Gain all you can or make all you can. So make all the money you can. Save all you can. Give all you can. And so some of you know, well, yeah, on the Basement Academy, we just heard this. So there's a daily podcast, daily teaching that I do. Let me direct you to that. I unpack that whole phrase um, it's a wonderful, wonderful message that Wesley gives. Okay, I am well aware that for the last three weeks I have been offering somewhat of a sober and stern warning about falling prey to the love of money. At our own peril, we ignore the words of Jesus. 
We studied the same passage three weeks in a row. At our own peril, we ignore the words of Jesus about the two masters. And last week, we looked at Paul's uh, warning about the love of money that plunges many into destruction. Today, I want to turn the conversation uh, in the study in a much more positive, uh, hopeful, encouraging direction. As I said last week, money can be a very cruel and harsh master or lord it can be a wonderful servant and tool. And so let's read Psalm 112, and I want you to listen for the language of money or wealth in this. And so Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses and their righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look and triumph on their foes. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn will be lifted high in honor. The wicked will see and be vexed. They will gnash their teeth and waste away. The longings of the wicked will come to nothing. Blessed are those who fear the Lord. Wealth and riches are in their house. And so money and wealth and riches can't be all bad because we find here in the scripture commending the, 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 the righteous, those who walk in the fear of the Lord and they find themselves with wealth and, and riches. Our word wealth typically conveys the notion of material financial wealth. That's typically the way we, we would think about it. But our word wealth comes from an old English word, word wheel, W-E-A-L, which is the root for our word well, or well-being, or wellness. Wealth certainly does speak of our physical material uh, uh, life, <laughs> our, our clothing, our house, our, our, our shelter, all, all of this. But wealth has to do with something much larger, much broader, a set of relationships, a way of being in the world. And I think that is what Psalm 112 is speaking about. But material wealth is one of the signs, one of the indicators of God's blessing and favor upon the righteous. The key is what the righteous do with the material wealth that God provides. Now, now it says here, the children will be mighty in the land. We just prayed a blessing over our children and grandchildren. And so we, we believe God's promise that, that salvation is for us and the Holy Spirit is for us and for our children down to the generations. And so 
children who grow up in righteous homes where wealth is not just physical wealth but spiritual relational wealth where there's a wealth of relationships children who grow up in such a home do well money provides for our families and for the well-being of our children it provides them opportunities but the righteous also then are those who are generous and who lend freely and so speaks of the generosity of the righteous who are walking in the fear of the Lord who have this relationship uh, figured out they recognize then that there, there's this material wealth is for the benefit of others they are generous and lend freely they look to support others within the community the scripture goes on in Psalm 112 and says that they scatter their gifts to the poor compassion and mercy and so we hear of a need and we are moved to meet that need out of that which God has provided for us. And so despite what you might have heard for the last three weeks, I wholeheartedly and scripture wholeheartedly affirms the reality, the right and good and proper uses of money, which brings us to the question, what is the proper purpose of money what why do we have money now forgive me if what follows is going to sound in part like an economics lecture but I believe there are four purposes of money that we can speak of <clears throat> the first is this it is simply a means of exchange to facilitate the common good that that we may function in society the last time I tried to slap a Bible study on the counter at Wegmans to pay for my cornflakes, it didn't go very well. <laughs> I don't have a bushel of wheat to barter. You know, what I would bring would be my sermon outline. This is what I produce. <laughs> they, don't, they don't let me walk out with my box of cornflakes. They, they want legal tender. And so money is a means of exchange to facilitate the common good. M money makes it so that we don't have to barter. It, it makes it so that we can function in society to secure the items, the goods and services that we need. Money enables efficient administration of a community, of a nation, of a people the goods and services and products that we exchange. And so you labor, you receive money. With that money, you purchase items. Justice is administered. Commerce is administered. And so there are permits and there are, there are fees. There are uh, rewards and there are penalties. And so often this is converted into monetary compensation. And so the first notion it helps us live in community. And this is a good thing. It is good for us to be able to function in community uh, together. The second right and good and proper use of money is that it enables us to consecrate or to set apart particular vocations for the common good. There are folks who live among us who serve us all. And some of the money that we have goes to support their work. We pool our money together. 
And we have those who work in law enforcement. We have judges. We have first responders. We have military. We have teachers. We have those who work within the highway administration to enable us to move about. We have public servants. And so if you are military or former military, law enforcement, first responder, teacher, um, work in the highway administration, public servant, just raise your hand if that's any of you all. Okay? We're glad. Thank you for your work. We have pooled our money together. And so I know everybody grumbles about your taxes, right? Don't. Don't. As we pay the money, it enables. We have set apart certain vocations. In order for this society to function well, we need these vocations. And we want qualified and wise and mature people serving in these roles. And so... We consecrate or set apart particular vocations. We pool our money. And this is what churches do. And this is what faith communities do. We pool our resources to enable our pastors and our church staff and our priests and others to serve the community. And so I don't have to have a side hustle. You pool your money together and support me and Eric and the church staff. And and so we are able to devote our time to the study of God's word and and the administration leadership of the church and pastoral care and, and direction. And that's a good use of money. A third proper use of money is it secures the needs for your family. I didn't start there because I don't want us to think first of ourselves. (laughs) I want to think about the proper use of money is for community life, for social life, as we, the, the common good. Within the common good, we do live as individuals and families. And so money enables us to secure our needs, our food, our clothing, our shelter, transportation, education, healthcare, et cetera. All of that. That is a good use. That is a right and holy and proper use. There's nothing wrong with spending money for the needs of your family. Our money enables us to secure the needs so that we are able to pursue other interests that will enable flourishing. Our interests, our relationships, our vocations. God's plan and purpose for the human family is that we would flourish, that we would be fruitful and multiply. And that is not just merely physical multiplying, that we would, we would build a culture. And so we pursue art, we pursue music, we have recreation and athletics, uh, literature, writing, all the, all the endeavors, the hobbies, the interests that we have. Money enables that because we don't have to go out and get the bushel of wheat, slap it down to be able to get some, some beef and then to be able to... Yeah. So we, we don't barter. Money enables us to be free so that we can pursue these higher, nobler ends as God would have us to do. And then money enables us to express our love for God and love for neighbor. Scripture speaks of the tithe. We're going we're to address that in, in a few weeks. But underneath that is, before tithing ever happens in the law of Moses, we see Father Abraham, the father of the faithful, our father, <laughs> 
the one we look to who believed God and was reckoned to him as righteousness. He was saved by his faith. And Abraham presented a tithe to Melchizedek, the priest of God Most High, after God had delivered him in this little skirmish with these five kings. And so tithing is born out of gratitude, out of devotion, out of tribute and honor to God. And so we'll talk about that, but we, we just pass the offering plates. And so we do so not simply as an expression of, well, we got to pay the preacher. It is an expression, God, you have enabled me. You have provided for me. I want to thank you. You have strengthened my hand, my heart, my mind. You have provided for me. And so we bring uh, uh, our, our offering. And so money becomes an expression of our love for God. Again, we'll, we'll do a deeper dive later in the summer. But money is a way of also expressing our love of our neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor. Psalm 112, how is that? He is scattered abroad. They scatter abroad their gifts to the poor. And so money enables us to express our commitment and concern for other people. How did Wesley say? Money is an excellent gift of God, answering the noblest end. In the hands of his children, it is food for the hungry, it is drink for the thirsty, it is clothing for the naked. Each of us have done this, I'm sure, countless times. We have heard of a need. Our hearts are moved. We don't think about that. We just, I have to give to help this person. Money enables that. And so there are good, there are holy, there are right, there are proper uses of money. Money is a wonderful servant. It is a wonderful servant. It is a cruel master and Lord. And so we keep money in its proper place when we understand that it is the way in which we participate in community, this means of exchange, and, and then we set certain people apart, and we're glad for that because that helps to enable our community, community life and our common life and shared life to, to go well and to prosper. And then we secure the needs for our family, and then we express our love for God and for neighbor. And so Psalm 112 presents to us a, a picture of the person who lives first with an open heart towards God. Blessed are those who walk in the fear of the Lord, who delight in his commandments. And so our hearts are open to God. And when our hearts are open to God, our hearts become open to each other. And open hearts lead to open hands. And this is the picture. The righteous person lives with an open hand for God to place things into our hands and then from our hands into the hands of others to strengthen their lives. And we'll explore this more fully in days to come, but the way we break the dark power of money when it tries to be our Lord, the way we break that dark power is to put it to good and holy uses by opening our hands. Amen? Father, hear us as we pray. Some of us this day perhaps are facing a financial challenge and so we, we pray for each other. We, we acknowledge the need before you at this moment and ask maybe to sell a, a, one of the cattle on those thousand hills 
and to provide. So if there are any among us who are in a particularly difficult season or moment, Lord, then you would show yourself faithful providing. Thank you for our shared life. Thank you for those who labor on behalf of the community and we pray your blessing upon their lives. But prosper each of our lives, our work, our homes. May we be the righteous who walk in the fear of the Lord and find delight in your word and commands. May our children be mighty. May wealth and riches be in our house, the fullest expression of wealth and riches. And may we live open-hearted, open-handed towards you and toward this world around us. Lord, hear our prayers. We make it now in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Let's stand.